Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Steve Malter. Steve is a strategic storytelling partner for Fortune and mid-sized brands looking to reach their markets on a personal as well as business level. As a global spokesman and keynoter, Steve has crafted and delivered over 20,000 live and broadcast presentations for leaders like Cisco, Fujifilm, Siemens, Splunk, HP, Panasonic, Bayer, and Intel. As an executive trainer and speaker coach, Steve has helped over 2,500 C-suites and sales innovators tell better corporate stories. And you are in for a real treat because I've just been chatting with Steve and he really is delightful to talk to and listen to. So thanks so much for being here today, Steve. Oh my gosh, Diane, what a uh, what a lovely and generous and warm welcome. Thank you so much. Great to be here with you and with your audience and looking so forward to this. I am looking so forward to this too. And I would love it if you would tell the listeners, um, let, let's call it the simplest definition <laughs> of corporate storytelling. Okay, that is a perfect place to start. So corporate storytelling is really about the 120-year-old concept. We can go into some details on that if you'd like. But the general idea means how do you combine the details of whatever topic you're going to speak about with your own personal experiences in a manner that your audience can relate to, that they can find value in, and that they can become passionate about themselves. So instead of simply pitching them on what you think is most important, how can you combine that sales strategy or that marketing strategy or that communication strategy with the personal details that create connection between you and your audience, whether that's one person or in front of a keynote space filled with 10,000 people? Okay. So so why is the story such a vital aspect of you know, brand growth, market differentiation, selling, all those things? So stories create experiences. And this is a very important thing when we think about business interactions, business engagements, and this is whether you're an entrepreneurial startup or you're a massive fortune corporation that's serving a global market and has been doing so for quite some time. A story will always land better with an audience and stick around longer than any type of sales pitch or standard market messaging strategy. So when we understand the way our audience hears and compartmentalizes and processes information and data, we start to understand that anything from the human perspective, the personal perspective, will always have greater impact and greater longevity than anything that comes from a corporate strategy position or a company messaging standpoint. The more we start to incorporate story, the more we actually create 
what's known really as, a, a, as an experience-based chemical synchronization. Uh, There's a great guy named Yuri Hassan. If you've ever seen his TED Talk, this 2016 TED Talk, it's called This Is Your Brain on Communication. He runs the Hassan Lab at Princeton University. And he talks about a concept called brain coupling. And the idea is long before we meet, so even you and I, Diane, long before we ever meet one another, we can get others to experience something that we have experienced ourselves and we can build a shared narrative that creates that connection between us long before we ever get to a product, a service, a solution, or a capability that our company represents. And that's why story is so important. It feels to me like then it makes it easier for people to hear the second part because now they're engaged on a level that's deeper. Is that right? Oh, that is 100% correct. That is absolutely right. We prioritize emotion over information or description or definition. So humans, all of us, and this is regardless of our job title, our what it, whatever it happens to say on our business card, our socioeconomic status, our education level, we all experience and process data and new information in three levels. And a good communicator, a good storyteller within marketing and within sales understands the three levels of that hierarchy and how to process them in the correct order. Most corporations go in the reverse order. So the baseline of this is that every one of us, no matter who we are, when a new piece of stimulus arrives and we have to process that piece of stimuli for value, whether or not we believe it holds enough value for us to invest in, either emotionally or with our time or with our finances. We're going to make a snap second judgment. And that first judgment is based on the personal level. Does it align with the way we view the world, with our morals, with our personal code, with our ethics, with what we believe is important enough to deserve investment, therefore making it a high value priority? If it passes that level, the next level that it goes to is we think as consumers, would I buy this? And buy, again, is more than just finance. We always think of buy in terms of a purchase price. Well, sometimes buy is, am I willing to set everything else aside in order to give that new piece of information or data priority? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my personal engagement? And then if it passes that level, we get to the third level of human processing, which is as an employee, a member of our company, a member of our corporation. And what happens is most people, when they communicate for marketing, for sales, on a corporate level is they flip that hierarchy upside down and they begin by marketing to the employee, then the consumer comes second and the human being comes third. And the problem there is we don't hear anything as an employee or even as a consumer until we first hear it personally as a human being. So the story has to land with us emotionally in order for us to hear and invest in everything that follows later. And unfortunately, most people flip that communication on its head. And that's why most advertising, most marketing, or most, most keynotes, most sales strategies tend to fail is they go, they put that hierarchy in the wrong order. That is so interesting. And so if, if someone tells a story and it doesn't, and, and it's, human, you know, it's to hit on the human end, but it doesn't resonate with that person's life experience, morals, values, whatever it is, um, is the listeners, the receiver still going to be able to 
pay attention to the rest or do they sign out? Oh, Diane, that is such a good question. Unfortunately, sadly, it is the latter and not the former. Once we lose an audience, for whatever reason, and sometimes it's not for a personal reason, it's just that our message doesn't work for them. It's not the right connection point. But even if it started out as the right connection point, once we lose them, once they are no longer engaged, they no longer sense the value for themselves and they check out, the odds of getting them to check back in are incredibly low. And it's one of the reasons why establishing that emotional connection at the beginning of the engagement and the interaction is so valuable, because the emotional connection will usually carry much further than the the explanation of the capability or the benefit or the value of what it is that we're trying to market or sell. And I'll give you a really good example of that. If you are an entrepreneur and you are building a startup brand, your head is fully in the game. First of all, it's probably just you or maybe you and a partner or maybe four people who are 100% involved and engaged and excited about what you're trying to create. So now you build out not only the capability, but you build out the marketing plan that goes with it. You go and you find investors, you get them on board and excited. And together, everybody drives toward a market launch. And it's so easy to be in that emotional game, to be passionate about what you're doing up until that launch. And maybe through the first year, or even two years if you're lucky following the launch, because you've got this head of steam, this emotional engagement. The problem is most companies beyond that two-year mark, it becomes about dollars and cents. It becomes about bottom lines. It's serving a board, or it is being beholden to stakeholders, shareholders, to make sure that you show quarterly profits year over year that increase enough to keep the market or the industry engaged And people begin to lose their passion. They lose their emotion. And now all of a sudden, old communication just goes to my product is the best. You should purchase my product. You should buy it. And they lose that human aspect of what made them want to start this organization in the first place, what got them so excited. And so what I try to do is help these organizations. You mentioned a few of them in the beginning, Cisco, Panasonic, HP, Splunk, large global organizations, Lufthansa, Bayer, that have been around for so long that they forgot why they originally created their brands, what their brands are really designed to do, and the best possible story that brand can tell to the marketplace to create a passion connection, an emotional human connection, rather than strictly a product connection. Hard to do, but if you can get there, man, the payoff is extraordinary. And, and, This works for small brands as well as those huge ones, right? I would say, Diane, it works even better for the smaller brand because smaller brands tend to be much more agile. You can make shifts much more rapidly. You don't have to go through all the red tape or the levels of hierarchy within the organization or within corporate to be able to shift the nature of your branding to get more toward that corporate storytelling, that connective aspect. So the smaller the company, the fewer people that I get a chance to work with, it's great. We can make snap decisions in the room and we can execute those decisions within a very short period of time. And we can stay agile based on the individual audience or the event, the conference, or the market that we're trying to serve. So I love working with smaller brands. The bigger ones, there's a lot more toes for me to step on and a lot more (laughs) politics for me to navigate. Boy, I feel the same way. <laughs> so what is the biggest brand that you usually work with, Diane? Oh, my gosh. Um, that, that's an interesting question. Well, if I'm going to work with a big brand, it's really going to be just 
one department of a big brand, uh, like Bendix or Cox Communication or something. I struggle with the big brands. I mean, for the same sort of reason that it, it's hard to affect change because there are so many people with opinions. Oh, it's so true. What do they say? Opinions are like bleep, yes. fill in the blank. Everybody has one, right? Exactly. And, but yeah, so even with Cox, for example, right, Diane? So you are working with that particular team, whether it's the communications team or the marketing team or the strategic team. And together you come up with a phenomenal plan and now they have to run it by so many different people and right. each one is death by a thousand cuts yes. and any creativity or any human engagement you've come up with, they'll slash it bit by bit by bit to the point where there's nothing left and we're back to the exact same marketing that they've always been doing. And unfortunately, right. it's detrimental to the long-term health of the organization, but it's hard to get people to see it that way. Yes, there, no doubt. It, it is so true. All right. So if someone's listening and they're saying to themselves, well, I want to be a successful corporate storyteller, but I don't know how to do that. What do they do? What, what, you know, where do they start? Is there a process they go through? What is it? All right. So I am going to share my mantra in all things. And I always urge other people to make it their mantra as well. And it's a very simple concept. Here we go. Don't tell them what you want to tell them. Tell them what they want to hear. Yes. Right? Yes. So that should be everybody's mantra. And by the way, I want to make a clarification here. This is not just in business. This is in your personal life as well. Good communication, good corporate storytelling is also good personal life storytelling. You can apply the same concepts. So whether I am speaking with leadership at a corporation, or I'm speaking directly with a colleague or with my boss in that particular moment, or with my spouse or with my children. The general concept is the same. The more they feel that I am speaking their language, that I am in the engagement for their benefit more than for my own benefit, that I am speaking about things that matter to them, that they care about, that they find important, and I'm giving credibility and credence to that the more likely I am to have an excellent engagement with that person. Any of you who have a teenage kid, you know that this, dealing with your teenage kid is far harder than dealing with any massive corporation you'll ever deal with. If you can make it about your kid and you can talk about things that they care deeply about, that matter to them, that connect with them emotionally, they will be engaged in the conversation. When you just go at them with things that you want them to do, they vanish. They disappear into their room. Their brains completely go away. So these same concepts of don't tell them what you want to tell them, tell them what they want to hear goes in our personal lives as much as it does in our corporate lives. And it's the greatest starting point for turning your brand into a strong corporate storytelling brand. So I know that's ultra simplification, but it really is step one, job one for all of us. Okay. I love that. Uh, this is, yeah, it, it is absolutely true. And, and I think it goes to what you were talking about before, where what most people want to do is they want to talk about their business and, and, why they're the best and why people should should buy their thing and that and then that's why they lose people because it's not what people want to hear. I always when I do sales training I always say the more you're talking the less they're listening. Oh, so, just, so true. Right? They don't care. They don't care. Nope. It's what's important to you. You care because of course it's your product. You're invested right. in 
But the idea that that's going to come across the footlights, not a chance. What I'll frequently work with uh, uh, um, trainees, especially when I'm working with the international sales teams, because as an American trainer and an American coach, one of the first things I'll do with them is I'll say, let's talk about your American trainer, because you're a group from Japan, or you're a group from Korea, or you're a group from Germany, or from Scandinavia, and you simply communicate so differently than we do here in the US. The nature of the communication is so different, but the fundamentals of that communication are identical. When you talk about how good you are, how good your company is, when you show KPIs, when you show metrics and data points proving your value, when you show market research that shows that you command a certain percentage of market share within your industry, your audience vanishes. Yeah, That's very important to you. Talking about your accolades is extremely important internally to your organization. All your client is thinking is, what can you do for me right now? I don't care about your history. I don't care about who else you work with because those companies are not like me. I'm unique. You have to speak to me directly and make me understand why you are here for my benefit, my value, my payoff to make me into a superstar. If when you, Whenever you talk about data, your products, every message that you deliver and every number that you have that proves that you are the best, I promise you that your closest competition has the exact same numbers proving that ah. they are best. They are showing the same metrics, the same KPIs, maybe with different companies, different contacts, but everybody will prove that they are the better one. And the consumer, the buyer, the audience in this case is left confused. Well, if everybody is the best, then nobody is the best. And therefore, I don't really have anything to go on. Therefore, I'm just going to go from emotional gut instinct. The best way to consider this is compare BMW to Audi to Mercedes, you've got to Lexus, maybe let's use those four. All four of them are going to tell you why their vehicle is the best performing vehicle on the market, the best off the market, has the best engine in its class, uh, offers the most comfort, and the, con the consumer is left thinking, well, you're all fantastic, you're all great, you all cost roughly the same, and you all say that you're better than the competition. Well, you know what, my dad was a BMW man, so I'm going to buy a BMW. And that's where it ends up. It just goes to that simplicity. You have to tell a personal story. It can't be based on the data or the metrics as your primary. Yeah, boy, that it just makes so much sense. So once you get your story across and it resonates, then what's the best strategy for the next step or call to action? Like, you know, what what do we do next? So Again, great, great, great question. You've now got your strategy. You know what you want to do. So how do you execute it? Well, if we think about the great Carl Buhner quote, which is so often uh, attributed to Maya Angelou, but it's the idea that they may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. You have to make your audience feel something. You have to create a level of engagement with your interaction that says, okay, I'm here to talk about you and your experience. But before I can get you to listen to any of the data points, any of my sales messaging, any of my market messaging, I have to get the two of us on the same page, and I have to get you to experience our engagement in a positive methodology. There are a number of ways that you can do that. Um, Scott Dinsmore, who was the founder and CEO of, of Live Your Legend, he, he passed away some years ago hiking, actually, in, in Mount Kilimanjaro. But... He talked about the seven pillars of how you connect with absolutely anyone. So pillar number one, he said, is care why you're there. 
meaning every engagement is unique and special on its own front. If you treat your audience generically, meaning I'm going to talk to audience A the same way as audience B, the same way as audience C, I have my message and it's never going to vary based on who I'm talking with, that is destination failure. It's simply not going to work. You have to adapt for the space and the humans that you're in the room with. Then pillar number two, you offer to help them. Now, frequently we think about this in speaking terms of let's talk about the challenge within our industry and how we're going to solve that challenge for you. Nothing wrong with that, but how do you personalize that? So instead of what is the challenge for our industry, it's looking at your audience and saying, I know exactly what you are up against. I know exactly what you're dealing with. And in the next 20 minutes together, we're going to make that go away for you. We're going to take it out of your way. We're going to clear the obstacle from your path. So you have nothing but a clear run to success ahead of you. Sound good? Great. Let's let's dive into it. Number three, you want to pay attention to the feedback that you're getting from them. If they're starting to drift, it means your messaging is off. You have to be willing to adapt within the moment to make sure that you maintain that connection with your audience. And that's, again, whether it's an audience of one or an audience of a thousand, it doesn't matter. You have to listen to them, pay attention to them and engage with them in order to make sure that they stay involved in your set, in your, your thoughts and in your topic from beginning to end. Then pillar number four that Dinsmore says is you find your connections. And we talked about that. What do we have in common? What do we share? Why do I speak your language? Why is my experience exactly the same as your experience? And therefore, I know you and you know me, and we develop a level of trust between us. Persistence is pillar number five that he talks about. Our instinct as communicators is we say things one time and we move on because we know our audience is not stupid. They're very intelligent. They know what they're talking about. So why would we bother repeating? The problem is repetition is power. And we need to hear messages multiple times in multiple ways before they crack through our thick skulls. And again, it's not because we're stupid or we're bored. It's because we're inundated. We're all bombarded by 10,000 bits of stimuli every single day, and we just don't have the bandwidth to process it all. So persistence does pay off. Pillar number six and seven, be really quick. First of all, your audience is your friend. You have to enter the engagement, not looking at your audience as an adversary, but as an ally. They want you to succeed. They are hoping that whatever message you bring to them is one of positivity, and one of empowerment, and one that creates success for them. So if you can do those three things, you're giving your audience exactly what they hope for, and they are your friend. Treat them like a friend, not like a wallet. And so many speakers only look at their audience as potential for contracts. Yes. And when we do that, once again, recipe for failure. And then pillar seven that Dinsmore says is be unforgettable. And that goes to that concept that I mentioned a moment ago with Carl Booner, right? They may not remember what you tell them, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. If you can create an engaging, fun, interactive, human, personal experience for your audience, even if they don't remember the details of your message, they will remember you and how much they enjoyed that engagement with you. And then later, when they have more bandwidth, they'll remember you and they'll say, let me go back and remind myself of what Diane said. I loved my time with Diane. I don't remember all the details, but I can go back and research those on my own by going to her website or by going to one of her publications. And then I can remind myself of what really mattered in the talk, but boy, I really enjoyed my time with Diane. If you can hit those seven pillars, you've got a fantastic corporate storytelling engagement opportunity. Wow. Thanks so much for that. As you were talking about them, I 
could experience them. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Memorable, baby. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. We think about when when we think about the engagements that we really love and that we have positive experiences about, they are almost never built around information right. or explanations or deep dives. They're built around human engagement. And then we'll go back and remind ourselves of the information later because it's almost always available online or in a white paper or a brochure or an emailed document. When we get up in front of human beings, anything that they can research for themselves on their own time in the comfort of their own homes or offices, they don't need us for. They yes. need us for human communication. Right. The rest they can do on their own. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Wow, Steve, I love this. This is this is such great information. Thank you so much for spending time with me and sharing this with the listeners. I have loved this. This is great. I have a feeling you and I could do this for about three weeks in a row without having any troubles whatsoever. So we'll have to figure that out. Is exactly right. We could easily do this. <laughs> that is so right. But in the meantime, please tell the listeners how they can find you. Oh, lovely. I appreciate that. So I am super easy to track down. stevemolter.com or corporatestorytelling.com. Both are going to point directly back to me. Uh, I do have a new book out that launched in January. The title of it is Nothing Gets Sold Until the Story Gets Told. And the subtitle on that is Corporate Storytelling for Career, Success, and Value-Driven Marketing. If that sounds like something that is interesting to you and builds on what we've talked about today, you can track that book down on any of the usual resources, whether it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your favorite book retailer. And the last thing that I'll mention is that I have got something free for everybody listening in on the program, if you're interested. Sweet. If you go to corporatestorytelling.com slash guide and put in the code SOLDTOLD23. So all lowercase, SOLDTOLD23. You can download a free e-guide that I've created that is called Five Paths to Passionate Storytelling. And again, no matter where you are in your career or whether you like public speaking or despise public speaking, or you have to speak on behalf of your organization or your brand, or you're hoping you never have to, but you're afraid you might be asked to do so one day, this e-guide is a great way. It gives you five paths to get started on increasing your level of success in corporate storytelling communication. It's fun, it's easy, and hopefully these, again, take a couple of obstacles out of the way and make you look forward to speaking a little bit more perhaps than you do today. So go and pick that up. That is so great. I'll make sure that is in the show notes for sure. So again, Thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. 
We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you wanna learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life. We've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.